Nashville, and this is what comes to mind. Diving into a river of humanity flowing up and down Lower Broadway. Lower Broad to locals. Not that you'd see any of them there. Music and drunken bachelorettes spilling out of open bar doors, cowboy boots and honky-tonk. Everything, everyone, lit up on a Saturday night beneath neon signs. Not a few in the shape of guitars. All this is what's made Nashville one of the hottest destinations in the U.S., but all this is not what you'll fall in love with. Liz Beattie here. This is Native Traveler in Music City. We came in search of Nashville beyond the cliches. We wanted to unearth one big thing about this place that might change the way we saw everything. And I think we found it, or at least where it's not. The best of real Nashville isn't anywhere near the honky-tonk highway. It's in the lives and communities of real Nashvilleans, building creative lives, trying to cope with record number of visitors and 100 people moving there a day. In today's show, we talk to an NPR producer and podcaster who takes a deep dive into the characters and neighborhoods of Nashville. It's like seeing Nashville from the inside out. We talk to a super connector and curator among Nashville's thriving creative class, mostly those you'll not see on billboards. From art, live music, food, drink, and artisan shopping across the city, she has the insider goods. First up, though, a workshop piece I did in Nashville about their amazing printing and show poster traditions. This is called The Art of Music City. Bryce McLeod believes he can change the world with art, starting with his hometown of Nashville, one neighborhood at a time. And he says machines like this 1940s Kluge printing press can help. The whole reason I'm doing all of this is that I have this profound feeling that we all need to be working towards making our world a better place to be. Bryce is 43, tall, slender, with a salt-and-pepper beard and smiling eyes. He's a fine art sculptor and a letterpress master. He started Isle of Printing in 1997. 620 Ewing Avenue is his playground, a shop in a small industrial strip mall, shouting distance, it seems, from Bridgestone Arena. On Bryce's suggestion, neighbors now call their gritty little enclave Pie Town for its shape and that connection to pie, spelled P-I. We're the neighborhood. If you come here, like my joke is that we're a little crusty, but we're all sweet in the middle. Inside, there's endless creative clutter community art, like self portraits made by Nashvillians with small print stamps. Finished works of art fill walls and sit stacked and leaning. There's a Bob Dylan show poster. Another original piece says, Invest in kindness. And nearby, packaging for coffee and beer. And as we tour all this, a speckled mutt called Gus shadows Bryce everywhere. That's a Vanderkoek press, a workhorse of any letterpress print shop. Carved images and type are locked in. Rollers are inked by hand, then passed over, pressing the image onto the paper. One color at a time, one sheet at a time. Its technology as old as the Gutenberg Bible. 
whenever I talk about this stuff, I think how many times I've cranked that thing, and it's li like like no hyperbole, probably millions of times. Some call Bryce the Willy Wonka of letterpress, his whimsy, his creative wonder. Still, Bryce says you can't get his take on letterpress without first talking about Nashville's Hatch show print. It's one of the oldest letterpress print shops in North America. It just has always been here. It's sort of like hot and cold water. We have letterpress posters just as part of our culture here. Hatch's first job was a handbill for a slavery abolitionist. Chunky, Sarah fonts, justified left and right. Their posters have promoted everyone from Johnny Cash and Elvis to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Thanks to Hatch, Nashville today is not only Music City, it is the art of Music City. Bryce interned there. His own show posters have since made their way to concert halls around the world. The local heritage, the 600-year-old print traditions. Bryce loved it all, but for him, it was a beginning. I guess I've always liked to think that we're both standing on those, the shoulders of those people, but it's, it's our imperative that we have to push it forward. For this old printing town, visual arts and commerce have always run hand in hand without apology. Bryce, however, has a unique business plan. The whole reason that I created Isla Printing was that I wanted to use art to change the world, and which is like a super bold statement, I think, but it's like, you gotta, you gotta shoot for something, right? So with some of their commercial profits, Bryce commissions himself and a SWAT team of other artists to make community art. One recent project was called All Are Welcome. I wanted that to be a discussion between people who've maybe lived here their whole life and folks who had come here, whether as immigrants or as refugees. He found ambassadors from almost 20 different ethnic communities across Nashville, Kurdish, Nepalese, Mexican, Arab, and more. And he invited them to sit down together. They talked about the concept of welcome in their cultures. They made new friends, and they printed T-shirts that said welcome in their native languages. We wanted the gringos, so to speak, to be wandering around with shirts that said in Arabic, welcome, because this is a time when people are maybe not feeling welcome if they're, they're from an Arabic-speaking country. It is a timely project. Bryce calls the recent growth in Nashville breathtaking. More changes in a few years than he's seen in a lifetime. It's the kind of change happening around the world. I think losing community is one thing that we're all afraid of happening because like the best thing about Nashville isn't its buildings, it's the culture of people. Art, he thinks, can be the glue among us amid all this upheaval. That's why he started printing Bryce Bucks. It's a currency valued in kind deeds and secrets. He connected strangers through small balloon paratroopers dropping art from the sky. There are many more examples. Woven throughout all this, one message. The things that you have aren't guaranteed and that we need to, like, raise all boats. Um, this project, Natural Brilliance of uh, is sort of a... Bryce's latest project now takes his message global. The doorman, the coffee shop barista, everyone knows Bryce in the newly reimagined Noel. It's an historic Art Deco-era hotel in downtown Nashville. Bryce curated the experiential art program here. It features a lot of his own original letterpress art. 
In each of the rooms, there is a portrait of a Nashvilleian, and on each corridor, I've curated and hired artists to make other portraits of Nashvilleians. So this hotel is a celebration of these people who um, may not be on billboards, but are really responsible for creating uh, the culture that people come here to visit. Bryce loves the idea of this international crossroads of art. There are portraits of civil rights leaders, a burlesque dancer, and an immigrant and refugee advocate, a hundred portraits in all. Travelers get to know real Nashvilleans better, and each other. Maybe I can't change today the policy of the U.S. government, but I can affect how my neighborhood treats people. And I hope that that will flow to the city, which can flow to the state, which can flow to the world. One thing is clear. Bryce finds community everywhere, even alone in his own shop. This for me is like the fun of it all. I, I always look at printmaking as sort of a, a symphony, and I'm the conductor, but the musicians are the press and the blocks and the inks, and we all have to like work together. A bit of a shameless plug here. That piece was the inspiration for a feature I wrote for the latest issue of National Geographic Traveler magazine uh, about the rich letterpress traditions in Nashville and really a culture of show posters that documents the evolution of country music and really all genres of music throughout the 20th century. So if you get a chance, check it out. Like I said, I recorded that piece at the NPR studios in Nashville, and that's where I heard about this wonderful podcast, Neighbors, and its creator, Jacob Lewis. Jacob lives in Nashville. He's an NPR producer and the founder of The Herd. It's a collective of podcasters from all over North America. It occurred to me, if you want to understand Nashville from the inside out, I mean, as locals see their neighborhoods, their challenges, their creative spirit, as it were, Well, who better to ask than someone whose job it is to shine a light on the disparate voices and, well, the characters of Music City. Happily, Jacob agreed to chat with us today. Hi, Jacob. Hey, how's it going? Jacob joins us today from Nashville through the miracles of tape syncing. Jacob, describe your inspiration for Neighbors, how it got off the ground. Honestly, I was working in a cabinet shop and I was very isolated and alone listening to podcasts to get by and survive. (laughs) So if you can picture just like sawdust and lacquer fumes and uh, Nashville summer heat and being utterly alone. Got it. That's what got me into podcasts actually was was like, I need to get out of this and figure out a, a way to connect with people again. You know, I'm an introvert slash extrovert, like I'm thoughtful, but I need human interaction. (laughs) And I quit my job and started pursuing podcasts and uh, went to this thing called the Transom Story Workshop. Long story short, as I was starting to create work, I was like, what is this? What is my work? And I I feel kind of like people with music projects need a band name. I just needed a bucket, an artistic bucket that I could start putting all these things that I was making in. So Neighbors was my bucket, and I had no strict show concept or idea. I just had a bucket, and I started to fill it up and see kind of the common things that rose to the top. And then these episodes and types of stories about ordinary people just started to 
come out of that. And wow, you certainly reveal that Nashville's creative community is fertile ground for that kind of storytelling. Let's take a listen to a clip from this episode called The Tuba Man. Jacob here. I wanted to rebroadcast one of my favorite stories. And it's one of my favorites because it's just so surprising. Basically, a year and a half ago, people kept bringing up this guy, the tuba man, they called him. He played a sousaphone in a tunnel a mile from where I lived. People would bring him up at parties. There were videos of him on Facebook. But no matter how much I drove by where he was supposed to be, I never saw him. In fact, I'd written it off and forgotten about him until one day I was driving home and I heard something out my window. It's raining, traffic's crazy, and I just walked uh, or drove through a tunnel where a man's playing a tuba. The tuba man. I want to get to the bottom of this. I've heard about him. I've never seen him. This is the first time. And I'm going to find this tuba man. Love this story. What attracted you to tell it? I think um, I'm not often this courageous. I'm much more like I hear about somebody and then like a year later I do a story on them. So I think what attracted me to this story was like no one had done anything on him yet in in like Nashville. You know, there's all these like local publications and stuff. I hadn't seen anything about this guy, but it's a guy that I saw every day. And on Facebook, there's like a neighborhood group and everybody in the neighborhood group was talking about him. And I was like, I just felt like a responsibility almost. I got to go talk to this guy and see what the deal is. And I'm so glad I did. I actually learned a big lesson of just like go for it uh, that day. There's something about this character, Joe, that uh, was magnetic to everybody. But as soon as I started talking to him, uh, (laughs) my universe expanded a little bit. Google Tuba Man and Neighbors. Have a listen. It's awesome. I feel like I want a show like this for every place I visit, not because it's at all related to travel. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, a lot of your stories are very gritty, but it's a glimpse into your hometown from the inside out. And I like this Tuba Man episode, especially because it taps into at least a couple of things that seem important for visitors to understand about Nashville. Mm -hmm. Like the first thing I think of is there's this big, broader creative community to get to know way beyond lower broad, like neighborhoods and individuals many creative types who are never going to make it big, but who have come to Nashville to build a life, to be part of the kind of big creative gumbo of this place in whatever way they can. Does this seem like a fair description? Yeah, no, I think I think it's, it reminds me of the college I went to where a lot of people went there for music, but everybody ended up dropping out. It's kind of like when people come to Nashville um, because it's a creative community and they might they like might not have their profession end up being that thing, but we're all here. <laughs> we're all people who are everybody plays guitar, everybody, you know, so it's just like we're here and we're ready to create and we found our people, you know. Now, you run an Airbnb space in your house. You no doubt see a few stereotypes in the minds of your visitors. What do you suggest to help them connect to authentic Nashvilleians? Well, yeah, I mean, first I'll start by saying kind of what I think the problem is. And it, and it's a prob- it's either a problem or not, depending on who you ask. But all of these cities across the world have PR and tourism boards and have a thing that's like, here's the public face that we want to present to the world. 
And so what we get in our Airbnb is a lot of people coming for country music. They're coming to go to Broadway and and go to the boot stores and go to the honky tonks. Um, but that's like honestly an isolated bubble that is kind of like that's where the tourists are. Um, so my honest advice to people, and this might sound like kind of privileged, but I think know someone. And if you don't know someone there, find a way to get to know someone, whether it's as simple as talking to the Uber driver or talking to somebody in a restaurant. So true. Um, but I think the real honest answer is find somebody who lives there and, and find some form of relationship, whether it's just asking them for advice uh, and follow that. Um, and I, my second part to that answer would be Try not to use social media. Mm. There's there's listicles and social media and like all this stuff that will tell you where to go in Nashville, what murals to get your pictures taken in front of, where to get, you know, cupcakes or biscuits or hot chicken or whatever it is. I think those things are great. But if you're going to like build out a day, have like one or two of those kind of like anchor points and then just explore outside of those things (laughs) with a real person. Such great advice. Now, back to another thing that I connected to about your tuba man story. Weirdly, traffic. I mean, symptoms of massive growth, the disconnection of people mentioned in your piece. So many changes in such a short time. How can visitors be less a part of the problem? Like, how can we support the things that Nashvillians care about in, in contrast to the sort of bachelorette phenomenon? Yeah, well, I mean, again, it's a tough it's a tough question because it's all about perspective and like what you think a problem is, you know, because I it's anno- it is annoying to me as a, a local that there is this almost like impenetrable tourist bubble um, downtown. So like I feel like my downtown is not for me, you know. It is a place that I have to if I want to go to a hockey game, I have to endure, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the bread and butter of a lot of people in town. But if you, uh, if you want to see kind of to support a different part of the local economy and a different part of the creative world, there's some places I would recommend going a place that I really love. There's a place called Radnor Lake. It's, it's not, there's no money involved at all. You just go and walk around a lake and it's a, it's a really, really beautiful place where I think you would actually meet locals that are just out enjoying uh, their kind of daily routine. There's so many great coffee shops in town. There's this great coffee shop called Crema uh, in town that is like, it, it was featured on Nashville. It's got the show, you know, which was a big thing for our city. So it's got like that that appeal, but locals go there every day. It is a local spot. Nolensville Pike I live in an area near Nolensville Pike. That's actually where the Tuba Man episode comes from. And it's one of the most international corridors in Nashville. There's there's um, the largest Kurdish population in North America lives on Nolensville Pike. It's got all sorts of refugees and there's a lot of uh, Latino culture. And it's the best food anywhere. <laughs> there's so many, there's so much great food on Nolensville Pike and it's not a place that tourists would ever think to go. It's not the honky tonks and the boot stores and the, and the Florida Georgia line bar. It's just tiny little places that aren't convenient and they're not, they're spaced way up far apart, but it's wonderful. 
great, great food from all over the world, not barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of visitors would be surprised at how culturally diverse Nashville is. To break down a stereotype, I've lived in Nashville 10 years, and one of my favorite places to go genuinely is this place called Plaza Mariachi. And picture an old um, grocery store. We, we had these grocery stores here called Kroger. So there's an old Kroger that just didn't do well, was gutted, and turned into this like amazing um, Hispanic kind of food court slash mariachi and salsa venue slash grocery store and arcade and they also have like a cell phone store and a spa and all sorts of stuff in it. Their tagline is a feast for the senses. And my wife and I go there just about every week. And it's uh, such a melting pot of every culture you can think of. Um, just hanging out and, and salsa dancing and listening to really loud mariachi music. And they have like those aerial dancers and fire breathers and like Neat. it's just always entertaining, always fun and attracts everybody. There are some iconic touristy sites in every town that you just can't miss. Mm -hmm. What are the ones that you have to see in Nashville that are just a window to Nashville's history and culture? Yeah, there's two that come to mind that are just like very touristy. One is the Parthenon. Um, for I forget the year, but there was a World Fair Expo in Nashville, and they built a life-size replica of the Parthenon mm -hmm. uh, in Greece. And it's just, it's really interesting, and it's in a beautiful park, like the closest thing Nashville has to like a central park or something. It's not that, but it's the closest thing we have. And it's just really cool, and there's a museum, you can go inside, yada, yada. But the other thing that I, is the most touristy thing you can do, which is go down to uh, Broadway, where all of the honky-tonks and boot stores are, there is one honky-tonk called Robert's Western World. Hmm. It is the one that I have actually, you know, as a normal, in my normal life, gone downtown just to go to. Excellent, excellent rockabilly music. And it's just like every player there is absolutely phenomenal. If, if you're going to brave going downtown, that's the one place that I would actually tell you to go. Have to admit, I did check it out, and it was pretty awesome. So, Jacob, what are you working on now? What's next? So, I'm in a pivot point in my career. I got a call from a friend who asked me to tell his grandmother's story, and it prompted me to start this company called Vox Familia, which is basically like a personalized documentary service for families to do that deep dive capture the stories that they already know, learn the stuff that grandma never told them, and make it uh, in a very compelling and shareable form for the family to to listen, learn, pass around, but also pass down um, and preserve those stories and those voices from a moment in time. Cool. So Vox Familia, you can learn more at voxfamilia.net. Um, I'm still working on it, but uh, that's I'm really, really excited about it. NPR producer and podcaster extraordinaire based in Nashville, Jacob Lewis. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Liz. I first met our next guest, Libby Calloway, in the lobby of Nashville's Noel. You know, there are a lot of beautiful hotels in Nashville, mm -hmm. but I feel like they, some of them, like, think they know Nashville, but they don't ever 
work with any of the Nashville people to make the space come to life. Mm-hmm. So the hotel ends up, you know, having guitars on the wall and like Western themes, <laughs> and like that really isn't that is a part of Nashville, but it's not real real Nashville. Libby Calloway, founder of The Calloway, has been a fashion editor and journalist, a voice of industry and contributor to the likes of the New York Post, Elle, Travel and Leisure, Glamour, In Style, Us Weekly, Vogue, and NBC's The Today Show, among many others. She's headed up marketing for big fashion brands in New York City. With an ample taste of life in the big smoke, this native of Cleveland, Tennessee, returned to her roots. She now lives in East Nashville, and the creative community of Music City is all the richer for it. Libby, thanks for taking time to chat today. It's an honor. Thank you for asking me. Let's start with one of your more recent projects, Noelle. Now, sometimes hotels, even the most wonderful, can feel like a bubble, insulating us from the unfamiliarities outside. But uh, Nashville's Noelle in Historic Printer's Alley is something really different. It's more of a portal. Can you explain? Yeah, that is highly intentional. The whole idea behind Noelle is to bring the community into the hotel, there are more than 60 local makers, designers, artists involved in the creation of Noel. And that came through my dear friend, the architect Nick Dryden, who led the architectural design at the hotel. Like His vision from the start, working with the developers, was to bring in creatives from the community to help curate. So I'm one of five creative partners, they say. So our goal was when you step into the hotel, it really is a portal. It's a way to like view what's happening in Nashville's creative scene. That philosophy is certainly front and center in your cube shop. Thanks. Well, that is my domain. I was hired originally to curate the store. I still do. I curate cube shops. But my company has also done PR and I produce an in-house newspaper as well for um, Noel. But Keep Shop MO is really to take the best of local design and to provide the visitors to the hotel with a way to really purchase, you know, and take home Nashville's best design and um, and maker community. So we've got exclusives in there from clothing brands. We've got um, pottery that we commissioned from local ceramicists. We just go across the board. We've got some apothecary, like some special oils that we have blended just for us. So it's really, it's a very, very cool endeavor. And it's unlike anything else in town. It's really very eclectic, just like Nashville. Sounds like a lot of fun being in a position to support the broader creative community of Nashville. Honestly, I've got some friends from out of town who joke that I'm the creative mayor of Nashville. And that's kind of, I don't know, that's a little bit of, it's a little bit hyperbolic, but I do feel some ownership of that position in terms of being a mouthpiece for these brands. I, you know, because of what I do, I have a communications company. So we're constantly talking to people all over the world about what Nashville has to offer and what these designers are doing. Figuring out ways to elevate what we're doing here and get it in front of new people is something I'm really, truly passionate about. Love the Callaway Report, spotlighting some of these fascinating local creatives and local issues, like your creative class march on Washington. Oh, that one was really terrific. Those were, and I will be honest with you, the Callaway Report is 
it's basically a way for me to brag about all these wonderful things that my good friends are doing. Like, I don't know anybody here who's not doing something really fantastic. It's like all of my buddies, my good friends are entrepreneurs or artists or they're building interesting new things that are worth talking about. Um, Marching on Washington, that one was, I went up for the Women's March and with some girlfriends from here and really, you know, was very moved by what I saw up there and was obviously feeling very, very at loose ends and really kind of helpless after the election. And my friends were too. And so I wanted to get their reaction to what we had seen in, in Washington and where we thought that what we had learned there was going to take us forward. So I had, um, we did beautiful portraits by the by the um, photographer Heidi Ross, who is who just came out with a book about Nashville that everybody should check out called Nashville New Scenes from the New South. But Heidi took these gorgeous portraits, and then I had the girls all write remembrances of what the march meant to them. So many other great pieces about Nashville creatives in the Callaway Report, well worth checking out. Now, you grew up in nearby Cleveland, Tennessee, and left to make your mark in New York City, which you did. What drew you back to Nashville's creative orbit? Did you always think you'd circle back? No. I moved to New York in 1995 to get my master's at NYU in journalism and ended up working at the New York Post. And I was there for my entire career, my entire journalism career in New York, and was a fashion editor and got these amazing opportunities to, to meet icons in that field and to cover fashion shows and cover award shows. And it was a very glamorous job, but I was just really tired. And whenever I came to Nashville, I felt this sense of um, peace and camaraderie. And I really loved hanging out with my buddies who had moved here after college. I loved their lifestyle. And the Nashville is 15 years ago. I can't believe it's been 15 years, but 15 years ago is very different than what it is now. And I was telling somebody the other day that I feel like a little bit of a genius for moving here (laughs) because like this city and its explosion has allowed me to have this incredible career that I did not realize I was going to be having when I moved here. So how can visitors connect to the authentic creative Nashville that you know? I think it's like getting out of downtown, getting into the neighborhoods. Like Nashville is definitely a city of neighborhoods. Uber can take you anywhere. A rental car can take you anywhere. And it's something we do in Keep Shop that I'm really passionate about is we have a list of the addresses of the ateliers and the studios of all the local designers available for shoppers so they can go out into the community. I think going and knocking on the door at Elephant Gallery, which is in North Nashville. It's a gallery, but it's also home to many studios of artists. Going and having those experiences and talking to those artists is, is going to be, it's going to make your experience in Nashville so much more richer. Your Callaway Report Guide to Nashville is awesome. So let's get down to some specifics. Eating and drinking. Divulge. The eating and drinking, oh my God, you cannot go wrong right now. It is just, there's so many, there's so much variety. I mean, Nashville is famous for hot chicken and meat and threes, but there's so much more. We, on the Callaway Report Guide to Nashville, we have Cafe Rose, which is owned by a chef named Julia Jackson. She was in New York and opened this restaurant, like a, a fresh, localized, you know, cafe in East Nashville, several about a year ago, actually. So she's really changed the way East Nashville is eating. 
So one of the, the stars of the food scene here is Philip Prajic, who has Roth and Daughters, which opened over four or five years ago and was immediately like one of Bon Appetit's best new restaurants in America. Um, he recently opened a restaurant um, in the very, very quickly um, growing Cleveland Park area called Folks, F-O-L-K, that specializes in pizzas. Um, Roth and Daughters, his first restaurant, which is in Germantown, was, you know, is known for creative, creative Italian. So he expanded on that. What about live music beyond Lower Broad? Well, you know, I feel like you can't come to Nashville without trying to see a show at the Ryman Auditorium, which is the mother church of, of country music. It's it's also a great place to see rock shows. I mean, I've seen some amazing rock shows. There have been comedians there. Um, it is a legendary venue, and musicians of every stripe will tell you that it is like getting to play the Ryman is putting a knot you know putting a feather in their cap it's, it's something people from all over the world come to do but then there are great little venues like in my neighborhood east nashville there's the five spot it was made famous on the tv show nashville but it's still a place where you know bands and singer songwriters come and hang out you can go in and get cold beer and it's cheap and easy and accessible in general you're going to see somebody who's really talented even in the smallest little crack in the wall so we know Noel is chic and fabulous and creative, but what other options can you suggest in terms of hotels? Well, there's one other hotel that I really love. It's close to downtown. It's actually in the Gulch. It's called the 404, and it's only five rooms. So it's a very boutique boutique hotel, very intimate. That's a lot of fun. It's next to the Station Inn, which is another legendary venue pretty terrific there is downtown you know right up from noel the fair lane opened recently it is it's like a madman era design experience they've got some wonderful food and beverage in there mile and deli from new york has opened there so there's lots of different options downtown the dream is opening a hotel next door to noel as well so we have our own little boutique row in this block of um, fourth avenue north Finally, perhaps your favorite category, shopping. Give us the inside track on connecting with the wares of some great Nashvillean artisans. Yes. Oh, my God. My favorite. But, of course, I'm going to advise that everybody start at Keep Shop, and not just because I obviously have some interest in there. It's, it's a good place to go if you're really curious about, like, what's happening locally in the design community, in the fashion community. It's a good place to scout and figure out, like, what interests you so you can go out into the community. I'm a Gina Willie is a definite must-stop. They're a denim company that opened almost 10 years ago and has really changed the way that people think about what Nashville fashion is. I, I feel like I talk about in fashion, there's before I'm a Gina Willie and after I'm a Gina Willie. It's like you know, BCAD type situation. They're very influential. Then in North Nashville, you've got Emil Irwin, who's an amazing leather worker next to Nisolo, which is a, a sustainably and socially ethically focused fashion um, accessories company next to Goodwin, which is a curation of indie brands created by my um, dear friend, Elise Joseph. So there's a lot of different there's a lot of different shopping options in town right now. It's getting better and better. 
Wow, so many great suggestions from our guest today, Libby Calloway, Nashville-based fashion editor, journalist, creative consultant, and founder of The Calloway. Libby, where can people learn more about Noel, The Calloway Report, and other great Nashville resources? Well, you can go to The Calloway's website, and it's www.thecalloway, and that's Calloway with all A's. Noel, you can go to noel-nashville.com. The Calloway is also on Instagram at the underscore Calloway, and my personal Instagram account is Libby Calloway 1970. So now you know how old I am. <laughs> Libby, thanks for taking time with me today. Oh, thank you, Liz. I really appreciate you guys asking me to be on. And that is our show. So the one big thing here, well... Real creative Nashville is so much more than honky-tonk. Spend one night partying on Lower Broad and then get into the neighborhoods and explore. I'm Liz Beatty for Native Traveler. Till next time.